Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. I'm Katie Warren, one of the pastors here at St. Paul. I'm guessing you probably don't give much thought to all the things you prefer in a given day. But if you were to stop and think about it, we have all sorts of preferences. 
favoring one thing over another. Maybe you have a favorite coffee shop you stop at most mornings and a preferred drink you tend to order off the menu, or a favorite t-shirt that seems to get worn more than others, or a favorite holiday, a favorite food, a favorite type of music. The list could go on and on. But when it comes to matters of faith, the New Testament letter of James has some different thoughts about showing favoritism or partiality, namely that we're invited to share God's love and care for all people, particularly those who might otherwise be left out on the margins, forgotten, or ignored. It is our task as Christian people to show compassion and care in some really intentional ways. So let's take a listen now to these words from the second chapter of the New Testament letter of James, beginning with the first verse, and then we'll dive into a few more thoughts about this passage. My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, Has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith, by itself, if it has no works, is dead. So we turn now to a few reflections on what it means to do away with favoritism as Christian people. Well, friends, grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I know we're just a few days now into September, but I want you to take a minute with me, if you would, and picture the dining room table on Thanksgiving Day. Let's imagine there's all sorts of your typical Thanksgiving foods spread out, ready for a feast among your family, your friends, We can also imagine for a moment that we're not in the midst of a pandemic, so you can have as many family or friends as you want in this imaginary uh, moment. Maybe there's your mashed potatoes and gravy, homemade stuffing, the obligatory turkey, of course, on one end of the table, green bean casserole, or that gluttonous sweet potatoes with all the melted marshmallows on top. Whatever foods you love on Thanksgiving, just picture for a moment what that table might look like for you. And now, with that image in your mind, my question is, what food do you reach for first? Which food could you not live without on this particular holiday? Or what's your favorite of all the usual 
options. I'm going to guess that you were able to come up with a response pretty quickly there. Or if Thanksgiving isn't really uh, your favorite day, maybe you could otherwise have a pretty easy or quick response to, say, your favorite Whitey's ice cream flavor, or favorite color, or favorite sports team. In so many ways, we are almost conditioned to make the best selection, to choose our favorite among a number of options, to decide which value is inherently better than another. On election day, when we are handed a ballot, we're expected to show preference. That actually the directions at the top say fill in a vote for one person in this particular category. You can't hand a ballot back with every circle colored in. Or if you go to the grocery store and there are no less than 30 different options of peanut butter that you can buy off the shelf, we have to have some kind of inclination toward a certain brand or taste or price that helps us decide which one we're going to take off the shelf and put into the cart. Favoritism or partiality, it is pretty much ingrained in our daily lives until we get to these words of James in the New Testament that Sarah just read for us. Where James appears to say the opposite of what our lived experience is, which is that, in fact, choosing favorites or catering to a certain population, making a distinction among ourselves, all of it is sort of counter to what it means to live as Christian people. James is concerned with uh, what certain people of faith have made this decision about how maybe some people are more worthy of God's care you might hold more value or higher status as part of the congregation of God's people. And to that end, James says, there is no place for favoritism in the Christian life. He goes on to talk about how favoring one person or another divides the community and ultimately disintegrates this body of Christ that has been built up. And instead, we hear this reminder that we are living out our faith in the best possible way when we engage in even the smallest acts of impartial care or inclusive love that stretches the circle of belonging outward rather than trying to shrink it in to include only a certain number of people or a certain kind of population. James uses the, the dichotomy of the rich and the poor as this kind of primary example because there was such a clear division between the two based simply on the clothing that they would wear as they came into church. It wasn't hard to tell who belonged to which category. But what he's really getting at wasn't so much a condemnation of money or wealth as it was a direct criticism of those who chose to elevate the wealthy at the expense of the poor. So we're missing James's point, I think, if the words of scripture we read are used solely as some sort of harsh critique of money, or maybe we'd be a little bit off base too if we hear this as just a simple call to empathize with the conditions of the poor. And instead, really what we're being asked to do is to live out our faith in that space between what is and what should be, the reality and what maybe could be, and to figure out how to bridge that gap. 
to see the inequities or where there is an absence of care or respect, where there is a need or a struggle, and to be sure that all people are cared for, have what they need, not just the ones who have the means to provide it for themselves. What James is getting at is that our faith isn't solely about what we believe or what our faith causes us to notice in our world, but also how we are then moved to take action by what we see around us. So that favoritism is called out. It has less to do with a certain preference or a particular ice cream flavor or a favorite pair of shoes and more to do with the ways that we witness some people flourishing and others struggling. And we have a tendency to celebrate the former but do nothing for the latter. If any other human being made in the image of God just like you and me, if they are suffering or hurting, they are hungry, being treated unjustly, fleeing from a war-torn country, if another person is lacking whatever is needed to truly thrive, and our response is thoughts and prayers, or worse, maybe indifference, unwilling to provide care or work for more justice and peace, then we are engaging in a kind of favoritism. We have favored our own comfort over the compassion for another's needs, or we have implicitly decided that we'll love those who need little from us rather than those whose need is great. And faith is what calls us away from partiality and toward bridging that gap a bit, leveling the playing field for all of God's people. I think the life and work of a man named Sander Tesler offers this perfect example of the kind of faith we are called to. Tesler was a Jewish man born in Budapest, Hungary, a survivor of the Holocaust, and he eventually emigrated to the United States following the end of World War II, where he was, uh, set up a, a clothing or fabric factory. And in the late 1950s, he decided to open a second factory and was in search of just the right location. And having lived through the atrocities of Nazi Germany, Tesla was deeply concerned with the prominence of racism and the groups like Ku Klux Klan that had a stronghold in the American South. He had watched the unfolding of events like Brown versus Board of Education or the rise of Jim Crow laws, and he felt a certain call to do his own part. So he left his home in New York, and he deliberately settled on, of all places, Spartanburg, South Carolina, as his new headquarters for his new factory which also happened to be one of the most racially segregated towns in the United States at the time. And as he set out to hire his first crew of workers, he, se he selected eight white men and eight black men. And when they all showed up for work on the first day, Tesla let them know that they were each being paid twice the usual rate of a factory worker. They were welcome to stay and work with this particular crew or they could leave and go elsewhere. And all 16 employees chose to work together, shoulder to shoulder, sharing one bathroom and drinking from the same water fountain and eating from the same break room. And they worked together until they became good friends. And it was the first racially 
integrated textile mill in the region. And Tesla essentially laid this groundwork for integration and cooperation for not just one factory, but an industry and an, an entire community surrounding it. And from the beginning, he wasn't interested in playing favorites or catering to any preconceived idea of what this new factory ought to look like. Instead, Tesla stood in this gap between the reality he saw of what was and the joy of what could be with some effort. And that first step was simply to name the inherent value of each and every person and the beauty that comes from this community where all people are valued and have worth. So James's words to us today invite us not to choose between the rich and the poor or between young and old or friend or enemy or whatever other sorts of categories we want to create. Because none of those labels really matter as much as the one that all of us carry, which is the label of a child of God made in the image of God. And there is no heresy in having your favorite food or rooting for your favorite football team or any of those sorts of things. But as people of faith, there are limits when we play favorites. We get to see the likeness of God when we look into the eyes of every person we meet. Each of us in our own sense, is the apple of God's eye. And so when we truly love one another as though every person we meet, we get to name each and every person as our favorite. Amen.
This is our time now to pray as the people of God, remembering the words that Christ first taught us. So join with me, if you will, as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. As you go about your day, do so knowing that you are God's favorite. And, well, so is everyone else, actually. So let us do our part as people of faith to live that reality each and every day. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.